Welcome to episode 193 of G.I. Joburg. This is Robert, and you are joined by... Steve! And Paul! Whoa! It's all three of us. Welcome, welcome everybody to episode 193. You'll be talking a whole lot of snake guys. A whole lot of snake guys. And joining us in our audience today is a whole bunch of... Bergforce members, so I just want to do a small shout out. MCDJ ACDC is here with us in the house. Gaz is here. Uh, Ironmonger is here with us. And uh, yeah, and those are our live audiences, uh, live audience guests. So, how's it, guys? And uh, yeah, cool. So, crickets, onwards. crickets, crickets. <laughs> <laughs> the audience is mute. Um, hello, boys. I, I think I'm going to call it. Uh, it's a good time to be a G.I. Joe fan again. Heck yeah. yeah. With a movie on the horizon, and we've got a release date, that's the big tentpole um, new shit item up front. Release date for Snake Eyes is the 23rd of July. That's around the corner, boys. Literally around the corner. Is it? Because I saw even more new news that it actually Paramount had pushed back a couple of their movies. Um, and one of them is Snake Eyes. It was originally meant to come out 23rd of July, but it was pushed back to October 22nd. No, I've got it the other way around. <laughs> Rob, you're pissing on my batteries, man. Damn. <laughs> no, but I read that the other way around. I read that it was supposed to be coming out in October and that it's now actually coming out in July. Yeah. All right. Then maybe Check I'm... The date on that article because this announcement of 23rd of July happened on... F- it was Friday. It was the, the, the Hasbro Pulse event. On the 9th. And... Yes. Ah, maybe I read it the wrong way around. And I believe Snake Eyes is one of the very few films to actually be brought forward. So reason again to celebrate, boys. Um, They're anxious. They're like... Ah, I see, I see. I misread. I misread. Sorry, guys. Look, look. The jury's still out. Um, there are still months between now and July for them to push it back out again. Yeah. Uh, COVID, if, if COVID has taught us anything, it's that like don't rely on any release dates because it's going to change. So, yeah, we're excited now. It might turn to dismay later. Well, and again, crazy. I'm actually quite excited now. I'm quite happy. Mm. I'm also quite excited and I, I'm also like really amped by the fact that I went for dinner on Friday night and I walked past the cinema in uh, one of the malls that I'm close to and they had the poster up for Mortal Kombat so I was like oh cool the Mortal Kombat movie's coming out and I looked closer and I was like no it's actually showing the new Mortal Kombat is showing I don't it's know out already. Nice. it's in out. cinemas yeah but it seems to only be in New Metro so hmm. I'll, I'll I accept it... I mean are they going to institute uh, social distancing at the cinema yeah, they already have. Um, they now have opened the eight o'clock evening movie slot, and they only allow like I think it's a hundred people in a kinney at a time. So okay, the last film I went to was Chris Nolan's Tenet, and I was absolutely elated to go back to the cinema. Um, and when you book your tickets online, when you book a ticket or a pair of tickets, if there's a couple of you, immediately the surrounding seats then get blocked out. Yeah. So I rock up thinking, yes, sweet. No one's going to be in my vicinity. That's great. I mean, even in a non-pandemic scenario, that's fantastic to not have like people breathing right on you and and pissing you off. And sitting there, um, guess what? People plunk themselves down on either side of me anyway. 
Yeah, no, complete no, disregard no. to the the seating arrangement. Yeah, that pissed me off something awful. And I, the whole time I was thinking, because this was early days in the pandemic, I was like, okay, if one of these guys is sick, and then I take it back to my house with Dr. Kim, and then she takes it to the bloody hospital, like, that's on me, man. That's me mm, yeah. and my movie-watching villainy. <laughs> <laughs> I should have I should have been a conscientious citizen and gotten up and left the cinema, right? Right? No, no, you should have just made a fake cough. Fake cough. <laughs> <laughs> doesn't it, doesn't the joke go that like we used to cough to hide our farts? <laughs> now we fought now we fought to mask our coughs. <laughs> but true story. Um guys, we are gonna talk um obviously the new toys. But since we are stuck on this uh, movie topic, <laughs> why don't we open up with a quick fire round? I want to know, because we all miss the cinematic experience and Absolutely. we're dying for, for cinemas to, to go back into full swing, I was wondering what everyone's best cinematic experience story is. But by the same token, I'd like to know what everyone's worst cinematic experience is. Can you remember, boys? Drum up some some old tales for me, Paul. Jeez. What about you? Yeah, can I, I'm going to start off with a bad one, uh, just because it's the first one that comes to mind. Well, and I haven't had like that many poor uh, poor cinema experiences per se. Um, but yeah, this one was pretty bad, and I think it ha has a lot to do with the movie. Uh, so, uh, and I'll preface it with this. When I used to work at Anime Works, and before that, when we were still in the flea market, before we had started Anime Works, uh, our little group of friends, our motley little group of friends, used to have this tradition that every Friday we would go and watch movies, um, you know, at, at the waterfront. So much so that uh, <laughs> the, the people that worked at the cinema actually recognized us, and more often than not, we got serious discounts on our tickets and things like that, because they knew that we were tenants and all that. Anyway, but we used to be like this mass of people, like... It was like it wasn't like five or six it was sometimes like 15 people like that yeah. sometimes even 20 of us that like we were like a real gang okay <laughs> we were like mass, uh, you know crowd in on these cinemas uh and go watch a movie and we would always be like current and the movie in this uh, occasion was pokemon the movie <laughs> <laughs> oh my word it's the biggest lot of shit. just want to put that out there but it was so funny because it was like 15 of us we went to go and watch pokemon the movie we all got a special promo mewtwo uh card or mew card or whatever uh pokemon card and we went in and it was literally 15 of us and the whole cinema was actually mostly empty with the exception of a few like i would say quite diehard folks who whose kids were into pokemon they had to watch it on opening night so they're like two or three families and you can imagine this is a gang of us so we're like watching this thing and it starts off and we are like, okay, it's Pokemon. But then it has these intermissions and the intermission would be like Magna might Magna might. And it would like, it would be like all this like major Pokemon indoctrination, brainwashing crap that happens in between different parts in the film. Anyway, I think it was Matthew or somebody just started churning. And then we just, it is kind of sounds like a good experience, but my word, it was like laborious. And we also have this rule. You cannot walk out of a movie. You have to watch the whole thing to the end. <laughs> we ended up like watching this piece of shit film the whole way through. We were completely broken. We were making jokes. I think we ruined the whole cinema experience for everybody else. We all felt really, really bad about it. And um, yeah, and we walked oh, out of that. You were those guys. Bloody hell. For that or... movie. 
for that movie yes we were those guys because gross. we were just so unbelievably bored and gross yeah that's why it's like a really bad experience it was like a crap one and then the other one is like it'll be quick uh there's this horror movie called mirrors not the same one that uh andrew was recommending so and i remember we were i was like watching yes, it for anyone well. wondering anyone wondering mc dj ac dc immediately weighed in with his best cinematic experience being the 1986 transformers of the movie to which i say brutal man that's <laughs> that's a high body counter tr transformers but still to date the best transformers movie of all time agreed anyway so i I just remember watching this film as well and i uh, do have you guys ever fallen asleep in a movie before because i fell asleep during this thing i don't even know what happened i feel so cheated you know we were also a whole bunch of us went to go and watch this and like most of us didn't even know what happened because we were so tired and stuff from work and this movie was so bad but i mean that that was like i would say the worst experience i haven't had anything like terrible i've had one situation where the power went out but that was about it that's that's like bad yeah. experiences yeah those are bad experiences. We'll get around to good experiences. I figured let you guys talk for a bit. <laughs> Take it away, Robbie. What do you want? Bad, good, I'd, indifferent. I'll, uh, 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 I'll do. I'll, I'll do bad as well. well. We'll go from bad to good. Um, I don't remember what movie it was, but like, yeah, cinema going is is, is a funny experience. Uh, depending on when you go. <sighs> yeah, I st I don't know what movie it was, but there was just so many disruptive people and it's not just like people talking or like eating loud um uh this this time i think at least two people answered their cell phones in the cinema oh. and there was one the person... same screening that paul was at by any chance was he was he <laughs> Probably, public was enemy paul. number one but um also someone was literally playing music on their cell phone they were sitting <laughs> no, on my word somewhere in the question. cinema just playing music on their cell phone. <laughs> oh my god! It was what did horrendous. you see? I really can't remember. It it was probably a, a Nolan movie. I'm I'm guessing. What? Um, Some high concept Chris Nolan film, and you watching it with these mouth breathers who are like playing music. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I guess I guess if if you are kind of, you know, not perhaps in the mood for a very intellectual film um yeah yeah why don't you just do anyone everyone a favor and leave please it would be so much easier i don't i, I still don't understand cinema going why why some people go to the cinema not to watch the movie okay it's, well yeah. talking and disruption in a film seem to be both of yours um bad experiences but for, mm. for, for opposing sides of the fence for paul he was that guy for Rob, <laughs> they were interrupting your interstellar viewing but yeah. for me, it's actually got to do with the film itself. Huh. To this day, I cannot get on board with the the unmitigated praise that that spy, that Into the Spider Verse receives, huh. because I couldn't enjoy my cinematic experience of it. Reason being, the animation style we all know has kind of janky elements like. Um, uh, I'm blanking on the name. Shit, Ma the Miles Morales. Rate, is, yeah, Miles Morales's Spider-Man has a lower frame rate than the old, washed-up Peter Parker Spider-Man, who's far smoother. That is an animation choice. There are a lot of interesting, quirky animation choices that perhaps a more dogmatic uh, cinema viewer like myself wasn't hip to going in. 
And one right. of them was the fact that foreground elements and background elements were kind of separating. Like you had these kind of two overlays of like buildings, like one building would, the image would be split to make the background. And then in the mm -hmm. foreground, like if there was a character's head kind of occupying the foreground, that would also have a kind of split to it. And when I was seeing this for the first time, I was like, oh shit. This is like watching a movie without your 3D glasses on and it's a 3D film. So everything's <laughs> kind of the split images for everything. And I thought to myself, well, someone screwed up, clearly. Clearly this is supposed to be a 3D screening of this film and it was sold as a 2D screening and I don't have my glasses and now the whole thing is ruined. I got up out of the cinema and went outside to find the manager to tell them, listen, I think you've screwed up the projection of this particular screening of Into the Spider-Verse. Uh, <laughs> she assured me, no, well, I'll check with the projectionist, but uh, I, think, I think it's right, so why don't you take your seat? Went back, nothing changed. In fact, it seemed to get more egregious as we got further on into the film and into the action sequences and swinging through uh, New York kind of sequences. And I got up a second time and said, listen, this is, this is unacceptable, man. I want a refund. I want, to see I want to see this movie properly. And now it's been spoiled for me. And, you know, what, what kind, Mebru? What kind? Please. <laughs> I was not. further assured... And then assured a third time after the film, when I approached them again, and I was like, what's going on? And they said, well, write to head office and let them know, and maybe they'll hook you up with some free tickets. I think I stopped short of actually doing that because I immediately hit Google and tried to research what's up with Into the Spider-Verse. Why does it look so janky? And it was like, yeah, it's a choice. So that whole time, well, I immediately felt very stupid. But also, if I was caught out by this, and I'm, you know, just like everyone else nowadays, kind of acclimatized to what a 3D screening looks like without the glasses, who else around, around the world shares my story? I'm sure I can't be the only one. Maybe they didn't go so far as to, like, interrupt their cinema viewing three times <laughs> to kind of <laughs> tell people, hey, what's going on with the screening? Um, but for me, that, yeah. That is why I, I, I need to watch it again because I know that it's, there's a good film lurking under there, but I was in such a foul mood that I wasn't open to that. So yeah, I think I, I think when a, when a movie, uh, when a director or a movie make a decides on, on something that's not conventional, it can be very weird and jarring. And, yeah. and you think it's a mistake with the cinema. Um, I think often uh, complaints that people have with uh, Christopher Nolan films is the mixing of the sound. Um, often you can't hear what characters are saying and you think, oh, okay, it must be the cinema. But it's, it's actually, it's a choice on, you know, the director's part to um, play down the dialogue in certain scenes because it's not as important as, you know, the music or the emotion of the scene. You're not really meant to actually hear what the characters are saying. Or um, when, a filmmaker decides to shoot a movie at a much higher frame rate. Oh my word, that's jarring. Like, um, I went to see The Hobbit, I think the second movie, uh. and he had, he had filmed it in, I don't know, eight, 60 frames per second, and it was projected like yeah. that. That is, was also Awkward. a very bad experience for me because everything. For anyone uninitiated. Oh, yeah. So that's the effect of upping the frame rate. Is it yeah. almost like documentary? 
it looks too, it looked it didn't look it's, like a movie anymore. It looked too yeah. real, and the effects didn't look right. Um, so that's probably yeah. Another... The magical frame rate of twenty four frames per second is the cinematic standard. It's what we're acclimatized mm. to. Anything mm. else feels like another medium like documentary filmmaking. Yeah, it doesn't feel right. So I think when, when filmmakers do try different things, it can be very jarring for audience members and can create bad cinema experiences. But um, if I can, Oh, sorry. Mm, yeah. No, go for it. No, no I was going to say, if I can put Steven at ease a little, uh, yeah. what are the art directors? <laughs> the film is actually shit. Everyone else is wrong. <laughs> I didn't so miss bad. out on anything good. Yeah, yeah. Nothing was no. ruined for me. It's a terrible movie. Thank you, Paul. Uh, Goodbye. No, no, that's not, not, not what I was going to say. But I thought I thought you might appreciate this little um, tidbit. Um, I work with uh, <clears throat> when I work on animation stuff. I I work under an art director, um, and and at the same time, he's also the animation supervisor. That's actually what he does. He's the animation supervisor, and then also does the art direction for certain things if certain people in the pipeline are overflowing or whatever it's because of work um but he also as for as much as he loves the concept art of into the spider verse and the general story and all that stuff he also has a major issue with it he has the same issue with it that you have and as an animation director it freaks him out even more he's ocd about frame rates and animating on ones and twos and you know, on threes and on sevens and all those kind of things. And what happens in Into the Spider-Verse uh, Spider is, like you said, foreground elements are actually working on different animation timing to Miles Morales. And then as it, and then he's also working to different animation timing as Spider-Man. And so it's very, very jarring. And, he, uh, and I can appreciate the artistic sort of choice there. And he can also sort of uh, appreciate it, but he's like, it's just really difficult for him to watch. It was really, really difficult for him to. He had the exact same issue as you. He actually thought something was maybe wrong um, because maybe Look, he had. Paul, I want to. I want to yeah. get past this, but I guess the takeaway is I got a glimpse at what it feels like to be old, to be a has been. <laughs> be like you kids. I just don't understand video games and music anymore. <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> because. It's a it just wasn't for me, man. It put me off completely. But let's move on to something positive because we've dwelt on this for quite a while. I think I might have yeah. to include time codes for this episode because if anyone is listening to this wanting to know about Snake Eyes movie stuff, uh, well, <laughs> don't worry. Your time is coming. It's the long, good the quick fire topic became a long fire topic. <laughs> <laughs> to this day, Rob, L, and I still laugh about the fact that L was sitting in between Rob and I watching whatever, and he had a big, big, big jug of popcorn. Uh, <laughs> I had refrained from buying popcorn for whatever reason. I don't know. Maybe I was kind of like in my purest phase of like, no, 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 no. I'm not going to interrupt my cinematic experience with drinks and crunchy food. Oh um, <laughs> Alistair leans over and says, hey, you want some of my popcorn? But he le leans a little bit too far. And he's doing like kind of a hands-free maneuver because he's like a casual guy. And the whole bucket <laughs> avalanches onto my lap. Whoosh! Popcorn deluge on my lap, on the floor, everywhere. So yeah. Hey, want some of my popcorn? Whoosh! Thanks, I think I actually like like got up very gingerly to try and shake most of it off my shirt. You know, I kind of made a <laughs> a shirt tent or shirt, whatever, a trampoline. Bassinet. Um, bassinet, thank you. A catchment. And poured it over back into this bucket, oh, which <laughs> now was not overflowing. Um, oh, anyways. Cloud. 
<laughs> How about you guys? Uh, well, yeah, let me, let me get onto mine because they're quite short and they're quite sweet. Um, the first <laughs> one uh, is... But they're all multiples, so you make up for it. Don't worry, Paul. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> um, Steve, this one actually involved you. Uh, we went Ooh. to go and watch... Uh, but of course, I think every cinematic was... experience with me is a good one. Unless it's spider There you go. I think we were watching, uh, I think it was Jesus Christ Superstar that you were in. And after that... <laughs> that's not a movie. Yeah, no, well, that's not anymore. That was a, that was a stage a stage play. Um, mm -hmm. A major musical production that Stephen Jobber was in. But um, no, afterwards, um, you had this like crazy idea like, oh, let's go watch X-Men First Class. And it was your idea, fool. Was it my idea? Oh, well, somebody's. I, I mean, it was a good idea. So, I mean, maybe I didn't it was even know there was an X Men movie out. What and, a pleasant surprise! And then we just went and watched X Men First Class in the cinema, and it was great. It was just like it was you, Mission, and myself at that time, and we just went to go watch it, and it was like completely unexpected. We uh, we didn't know what to expect, and we just came out of that film, and we thoroughly loved it, and it was so great, and it was just it's just such a cool impromptu film going experience like that was that was great so that was one of them um then the other one was <laughs> um like it sounds odd but inception uh when i went to go watch inception i had like i i, I mean i was with francois and a whole bunch of like a bunch of friends we went like this big gang of people or whatever watching this movie but my god that movie just like hit me in the right place it was just Everything about it was just so beautiful for me. The soundtrack, I was super amped about seeing it. Um, and it was just, it was awesome. And I had long had this concept of, um, like, that's actually why I called my business dream running. Uh, I had this long concept of this, like, dream running kind of thing. And I don't want to get into it here. But anyway, I come out of the cinema with Francois and he looks at me and he goes, oh, my God, dude, they stole your movie. <laughs> <laughs> Your... That was such a cool thing to hear from like somebody else, you know, like when you've spoken about like ideas and stuff. And I also, I, I actually walked out and I was, after that, I was like, that's why I think I enjoyed it so much because I really related and resonated with a lot of the stuff that was in there. And it was really, really fantastic. Um, On the topic then, of dreams, I wanted yeah. on record so that I can remember this later uh, because I always forget my dreams. My waking dream this morning was like the dying hours of some kind of toy convention. Not specifically G.I. Joe, but they were selling probably mainly Transformers, to be honest, because I think it was in the, the Far East, and Transformers is huge in China uh, and Korea and, and Taiwan and the like. But I found in the dying moments, like bags of loose Joes, mainly 90s stuff, mainly stuff that I'm not particularly keen on buying, but then at the bottom were like five Steel Brigade figures. What? Oh my word, I love those yeah. dreams. And then and you the wake guy up. guy did not know the yeah. value of what he had, so I was snapping them up for peanuts. Anyways, Yo, what, what a great dream to have. I seldom dream like on topic. I seldom dream G.I. Joe shit, but oh, this morning was an exception. Robbie, and, and oh, and quickly, and I've got the, the last little one, the last little one, and then I'm going to hand it over to Not Robbie. Robbie. Just it's it's just about to go to Rob. So in Westgate, which is in the Rotorput area, and that's a very interesting area around us. Um, I went to go and watch. I went to go and watch. Oh, it wasn't it's not really. It's it's kind of an interesting mix. There's lots of money there, but then there's also a lot of, you know, dodginess there as well. True anyway, story. 
hilariously, I lived in Rudaport the first time I moved to Johannesburg. I saw the rough side of it, but like get to Australia and this chick who says, oh, we had such a posh lifestyle in, in South Africa when we were there before we emigrated to Australia. And I also like, where did you stay? Rudaport. I <laughs> laughed and laughed and laughed. But yeah, I suppose there are big, big properties there as well. So there's also there's a bunch of uh, friends and I, and we were in high school at the time. And it was Saturday. We went to go watch a movie on Saturday during the day. And the movie in question was Blade. And, oh. and now we're inside Rudaput now. Okay. So now we're going to get a bit South African now. So we're inside and we're watching Blade. And it's like, you know, kicks asses. That, that, that first opening scene. You know, Rudaput, just so everybody knows, is an area where everybody decides that their car has to have two things. Holes in the muffler. Okay. And loud, loud, loud music. Like you can see the speakers in the back of the window. So you generally know you're in Rudaput when you hear two things. And okay. So anyway, so this is going on and everything. And then, you know, Blade does that thing. He throws that like blade chakram thing around the, the room. and he Glaive. That glaive. Thank you. Yeah. It's, uh, what did I call it? Anyway. Yeah. So he throws around that glaive and it goes around and it cuts everybody's head and then he catches it. And you know what happens when he catches it? And like with the whole sunglasses thing and everything, everybody in that cinema got up and applauded. <laughs> Yes! I love that. I can't think of specific instances now, but like they have been. Oh, yes. I remember when the Batmobile dies in Dark Knight and when the Bat Pod emerges, the audience erupted. They're like, you! Amazing. <laughs> Amazing. It is, uh, and I'll always remember Blade for that because it's just. Yeah, it's like all these people are just like, yo, and they got up and they were clapping their hands and the blade's like, you know, Cody's glaive or sunglasses or whatever the hell is like. Dig, 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 all right, dig, all right, dig. right. Anyway, Robbie. Share, share the mic to Rob, otherwise he's going to leave again. Rob, <laughs> take it away. Okay, probably one of my favorite uh, cinema experiences was also Inception. I didn't know Inception had released. I didn't know anything about Inception. Um... I didn't know the first thing, anything about it. I saw it, I was completely blown away, and I immediately bought another ticket and I went in the second time. <laughs> That's how good that movie was for me. I was just like, wow. Likewise, dude. Cause, but I knew nothing. I, I didn't see any trailers. I didn't even know. I just saw, oh, cool, Chris Nolan. I remember him from, you know, uh, Batman Begins. Uh, Freaking awesome. And, you know, the, the Dark Knight, I think probably Dark Knight had come out by then. Um, and then I think he took a break and he did Inception or was, but anyway, whatever it was, I was just completely, I don't think that away. man ever takes breaks to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> but, I think, uh, yeah, he's yeah. always coming up with something. So yeah, that was absolutely amazing. Um, and probably, and then my other really good cinema experience was when I got to see a little movie called GI Joe retaliation. What? Um, <laughs> oh yes. Um, in, in the biggest cinema screen in, in Africa, um, with these two. Bad boys. Hmm. Oh shit! Oh. As well. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Stephen hey, threw me up Johannesburg, especially it was my first time in Joburg properly. Um, and we we saw the movie. We recorded it. It's a very early episode of Jai Joburg. Um, yeah. Twenty-one, I think. I th around about there. Hmm. Around about there. 
you uh, you reminded me of something when you mentioned the fact that you immediately bought a second ticket and went back in to watch Inception. But I mm. remember a time when you and I watched uh, at the behest of a work colleague of mine. We went to watch a Stephen Sondheim musical adaptation <laughs> called Into the Woods. Oh, yes. We hated it so much oh, that immediately after it ended, we ducked into a screening of the Brad Pitt tank movie Fury. <laughs> like we ain't paying, we we paid yeah, for this shit we saw it movie. For free. We need to rinse our palates, <laughs> so we ducked into another movie for free, and that was indeed a yeah. palate cleanser. But guys, it carry on. No, it it, it made them talk night a lot better. I've got yeah, such a cool yeah. picture of that uh, of you and Steve from that night, actually, Rob. I will. Oh, yeah. I'll. I hope I can us. find it uh, uh, quickly enough to give uh, Stephen for the edit for the for the. Post it up for the socials, brother. All right. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Well, you're gonna have to find it immediately, Paul, because you know I I just shoot this episode out, man. Yeah, you just shit it out like big you time. Just okay. it out. <laughs> Language, please. All right, boys. We know the movie is potentially slated for July 23rd, but regardless of what the movie is doing. We have images of the movie Toys. Mm -hmm. Oh boy, where to begin? I don't know. I, I, I'm not going to crack this one open. I think I want to hear from Scoop. Give us the scoop, Scoop. Yeah. So, so from what I've seen, these are the uh, six-inch classified range. So they mm -hmm. they'd obviously fit in with the rest of the um, the larger figures that are you know popular these days. And these five figures, at least I saw there were five, look absolutely amazing. Um, okay. Rob's so a fan. Yeah, I think so, dude. I mean, four characters we recognize, Scarlet, Storm Shadow, Snake Eyes, and an amazing Baroness. And then apparently a new character called Akiko, um, mm -hmm. yeah. who's, who's new for the movie. Um, they look really absolutely incredible. Uh, cool accessories. That's spoilers. Uh, cool accessories um and i think probably for me the best figure of the range is baroness oh yeah she looks absolutely incredible removable glasses her gun this everything's removable she's got like two blades on her back um it's a really cool update to a character that we all know and love hell yeah hell what yeah. do you think paul what are, are these figures doing it for you um Yes and no. <laughs> oh, okay. oh shit. yeah, yeah. So listen, I think I think the toys are great. I think um, I think they've kicked the door down a little bit, and that it's like, wow, it's really like they're good quality toys. Uh, I think the one I'm a little bit upset about is Storm Shadow, and I'll get into more of that just a little bit later. Um, <sighs> but I think in general these toys are good, and and I, what I'm really liking so far is the actual design of everything. So I think everything's well designed. So it gives me a lot of, uh, it, it, it excites me for the movie. I, I'm very amped to see these guys in the movie, especially if they look like that, That because I think their gear is handled really, really well. Um, I think the toys look good. There's some. There's definitely some stuff happening with Snake Eyes that is a little bit more interesting, I, I think, than the previous classified Snake Eyes, at least for me, uh, that I'm really liking. But I'm in the same uh, boat as you, man. I love, love, love that Baroness. So much so that I was on, I just thought I'd hit up Amazon, you know, on the sort of whim that I might find a Baroness. Mm -hmm. And I didn't. And then I, I was like, damn, I can't find like a movie Baroness classified, you know, because Amazon's an easy way for me to like sometimes get these toys because at least I know it'll get delivered to me and quite quickly and safely. And um, 
anyway, I just I had this idea. I was like typed in Snake Snake Eyes Origins figures, and anyway, this figure called Mantis popped up on Amazon, and it's movie Baroness, and she's nineteen dollars. And I, I had $30 uh, credit on my Amazon uh, uh, as an Amazon gift card still. So I've actually pre-ordered that Baroness already. It's coming in October. Oh, um, sweet. That's how much I love that toy. I had to have it. Like, I know I sort of have sworn off getting some of the classified figures, but I cannot resist the power of that Baroness. It is too cool for me. Hmm. Um, yeah. And, but yeah, generally very excited about these. I think they're very cool. I think if I have to, if I can say one actual negative thing, and it's not... I'm not like I, I think you guys might understand where I'm coming from here. I know these are the figures for the movie and all that stuff. It's just that maybe I'm just a little bit snake guys out, scarleted out, you know, that kind of thing. So just seeing these characters again, that did dull my initial excitement, to be very honest. The reason the Baroness has got me so excited is because I couldn't get my hands on a classified Baroness. So I think this this opportunity of being able to get that Baroness that is so well designed. And has got short hair and looks super sexy is like happiness for me but but i'm not but I, I, in no means am i saying that the line is bad i just think they're they're great figures they're great toys and it's, it's a good release it's certainly better than the pictures we saw before so so you, you like know. your pixie cut baroness with a little choker it's cute Big time. Yeah. But she's yeah. got the big old Cobra sigil, which tells me that this is also going to be a Cobra Origins film as well. Yeah, I think so. Mm. You know, it's going to presuppose what Rise of Cobra supposedly created. You know, they, they made an entire film to usher in Cobra's uh, origin. And I know these are disconnected universes, but the fact that Baroness has that Cobra symbol tells me that, like, yeah, Cobra is going to be a thing in this movie. It's not going to dance around um, the the beginnings of Cobra and and yeah. have like sort of like just stop short of mentioning yes, this organization is Cobra, but like leave it hanging for a later film to pick up. This her wearing a Cobra symbol in the toy tells me that Cobra is already a thing. Basically, mm. is what I'm trying to say. Uh, and another observation that I've just made is since yeah. Baroness is the only one that comes with an actual firearm out of yeah. this initial lineup of figures, it tells me that maybe this is kind of tastefully low-key, that, like, it's not like every character has access to a massive arsenal of, like, Marduses and twin Colt 45s and, like, Uzis. and You know, Snake Eyes has swords and blades and stuff, like martial arts weapons that he no doubt would have had during his Arashikage training. Yeah. Storm Shadow similarly, swords, Akiko, swords, okay, Scarlet's got her crossbow, which is her, it, it fulfills two functions. It is her classic weapon, but it also stops short of her having a full arsenal of like M16s, bombs, you know, like she's not necessarily Arms super hardcore G.I. Joe trooper, you know, access to world ending <laughs> artillery pieces at this point. So mm. maybe this is kind of as we like to say, closer to the streets, a more personal story, less like waging war across the globe and more like, yeah, low key. And I'm down for that. Yeah. More the character piece. Yeah. More it's intimate. Yeah. Mm. It's definitely a great opportunity for them to reboot the whole Giardia universe. I think you could take this as the starting point and go from here, you know, kind yeah. of like ignore the two previous films. Like those came out however many years ago. This is like, this is the start. Giaja Origins, Snake Eyes, 
then you can go forward and actually redo stuff and do do it better, make it more realistic, hopefully. Hopefully. But I mean, also, but, if you take, yeah, yeah. Sorry, man. Oh no, I was, I was going to say. So, if if I'm understanding correctly, these figures aren't easy to get. They're they're a pain to get. They're classified, yes, so far. So, so classified line, because because I don't follow the the, the twenties about the, the seven inch figures that much. Are they okay. more difficult to get than like the, the ones in Target or anywhere else? No. So the Target. So pretty much the Target exclusives are. You know, there, there's a few that are target exclusives and most notably troop builders. And so because of that, they're harder to get. And it also seems like like a lot of your retailers in America aren't restocking them properly. Yeah. And then there's toys that you just can't get, um, like unless you buy them from Target. So like if you're not in the States, or shame, even if you are in the States, you sometimes have to rely on a reseller, on a, on a scalper or something like that, oh, or a friend or something to, to get them for you. So... That's something about this line that I feel reinvigorates the scale of G.I. Joe for me a little bit is that I feel like this is going to be a much easier to attain. And we might be lucky and even see them here in South Africa as an, as an official release. <laughs> you know what you're going to likely see in South Africa, though? The, uh, Tons the, of snake guys. <laughs> the kiddified no, ones. The kiddified they, ones they've, no. they've done a parallel line uh, at a much lower price point. Well, half yeah, price, I've basically. seen pictures of those. They're terrible. <laughs> well, at least uh, Storm Shadow is in all white. He's blinding, which is mm. what a lot of people's criticism of the movie classified Storm Shadow is. Paul, I got the feeling that's where you were heading when you had a kind of a, a reservation about Storm Shadow up front. Yeah, he's. I don't mind. I don't mind the sort of slight yellowing to him. I just. I I don't know how to explain it. It just seems very flopsy. <laughs> like. That's the best way I can explain him, like the toy of him. It just seems very flopsy. Like you got to do better the... than that, man. Use your words, Paul. Come on. Okay, flopsy. so <laughs> is that an yeah, art so term? It's it's just the the best way I can sum it up. I think I I feel like he has no edge, uh, whereas the others do. Um, and also the fact that I can immediately recognize that he's got the Red Ninja's upper thighs and he's Arctic Storm Shadow boots. Um. Uh, like that immediately is like okay well they've reused those so were they originally designed for him or are they now borrowed from that and it's like for me that just like irritates me because it's storm shadow like i would imagine he would have some what i would call new tooling so i feel like i feel like firstly he's a bit of a, a frank and joe um because he's reusing a lot of parts i can't tell if those parts originated from arctic storm shadow or from this movie concept design and then went yeah. on to arctic storm shadow Look, i'm i'm gonna i'm gonna hazard a guess that it probably was intentionally the movie legs first but because yeah. the movie was delayed and then delayed again and then delayed a third time they had to move a storm shadow out and yeah. so the the, the the arctic storm shadow which was going to be a repaint effectively yeah. um, was the initial storm shadow release and that explains why we got this head scratcher of a Arctic Storm Shadow when, like, you know, why not just hit it out the park first time around and give us a classic Storm Shadow? Which movie Storm Shadow is not? You yeah, know, it's 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 interesting to see how essential the Cobra symbol is to the all-white Storm Shadow. It just gives like it that it little just, pop. Mm. It just ties everything together uh, and, and makes this identifiable as Storm Shadow instead of just a ninja wearing white because Storm Shadow isn't the only ninja who wears white. Like, no. 
throughout history, ninjas have donned themselves in white um, and pop culture. Uh, yeah, American ninja. <laughs> there you go, exactly. Um, but, so, yeah, it's, it's, it is missing also, something. And then you, you don't mind the off-white coloring, I guess? I A lot of people I don't do. mind that. I don't mind that, but I, like... I don't mind that because on my Arctic Storm Shadow, I've done a little bit of a like a wash and a weathering kind of look to it to give it a bit more dirt, a bit more grime. So I, that doesn't bug me too much. But as somebody, you know, I'm a smoker and I'm always scared of my white toys getting that kind of yellowing to it. So you <laughs> just pre-yellow them. <laughs> so yeah, so yeah, but when I look at this, I feel like it's a little bit pre-sort of stained and it's got that little bit of tobacco staining that's happening. I can that just does... blow the smoke right in his yeah, face and it'll be totally safe. fine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, well, my first just... thought was... Right next I to my a... ashtray. <laughs> <laughs> my first thought was that I bought a beta Storm Shadow V1 because it was going for a song. It had no accessories, but that's fine. Um, I just wanted a Storm Shadow that I could play with. And this mm. one was hell of a yellow. It was like brown. Uh, so I did the, the hydrogen peroxide trick and that got him to come up to like an off-white. And that's acceptable in my eyes and even more so acceptable now that Storm Shadow is wearing off-white. It's like all of a sudden there I don't look go. at my my beta play Storm Shadow um, with any kind of contempt. I'm like, yeah, yeah, looks yeah, good. Uh, it looks like movie he's... Accurate. Yeah, movie accurate and also like you wear an all-white uniform and you do some sneaking around. It's going to be brown pretty quick. But I think I think the biggest thing that... Sorry, man. Uh, just on that, just while we're still on Storm Shadow quickly, the, I think the biggest thing that irritates me is just the head sculpt. I, it's not that there's anything wrong with it per se. I just don't like it. I don't like the way that they handled that um, slit for the eyes. I just feel like, <laughs> believe it or not, I actually think the Rise of Cobra slash Retaliation Storm Shadow looked better, personally. Um, I know those are fighting words, but I think that's a much better looking. Well, boy, it would be in line with uh, your selection for your favorite uh, G.I. Joe outfit to wear as a cosplay or exactly. to wear down to the shop, as Raptor put it. Could could it be your, your issue with, with Storm Shadow, him being flopsy or floppy yeah. or whatever? <laughs> is is it all the other characters? Technical <laughs> term. Yeah. All the, all the other characters, their outfits are fairly um, form fitting. Yes. Um, and his is more like fabric-y. It's more fabric. Yes. It, it kind of falls off his body. It's not actually, it doesn't form Ooh. fit. So they all seem to have <laughs> like armor. Well, yes. they all seem to have like armor over the fabric. Um, yeah. or it's very form-fitting. I think probably the, the least form-fitting of the other four is Akiko with her upper thighs being kind of like a but fabric. She looks as great. Well. Yeah, but, but she, she still looks, looks good. fantastic. Yeah. She's, I think that's, I that's probably what it is. His outfit is the least streamlined. Yeah, she looks just... great, but we do need to see the film because mm. she looks like she could be in Rogue One, a Star Wars story. She looks like yeah. she could be in any MCU film that has a focus mm. on martial arts. She could be anything. Like at yeah. six-inch scale, there's nothing that screams okay. G.I. Joe about this figure. She could be yeah. in a Marvel Legends box. She could be in a Star Wars Black Series box. I don't know. I don't have context. I need to see this film to get excited about her being in my G.I. Joe universe. Yeah. And we absolutely will. Do you guys also feel like there's like a bit of a, an upgrade in the quality of these toys versus what you've seen and experienced with classified toys? Ooh. They do look better, to me at least. I mean, especially that, that uh, the Scarlet looks really good. Mm. They have the to layering. approximate something that is real. I think mm. that's the veneer that you're seeing. The head mm. sculpts are not some fanciful design 
pulled from a sculptor and an artist's imagination. Mm. Like they have inca- they have gotten Henry Golding's likeness down. Like I was mm. just examining um, his bearding pattern. I mean, I'm a beard guy. I I can appreciate <laughs> you know where a guy grows his follicles, and I'm like, <laughs> yes, they got the little corners where his beard kind of rises um, on his chin, you know, on the sides of his chin. Like, this figure's likeness is incredible. And the reason, well, the the ulterior motive I have to to making this point is the fact that I watched his receiving of a um, a Snake Eyes from Hasbro, like his own action figure, and he unboxed it live. Mm. And it is wonderful seeing this man just lose his shit and absolutely gush about this this toy and having his own action figure and it's a good one um it's a good time to be an a-lister hollywood star and have action figures made of you because the technology has actually caught up like the likeness is good the action figure build is good like i would be just like henry over the moon overjoyed to have a figure of me like that that's super cool and it was so wonderful seeing the star of this movie so gracious he he is a lovely, lovely individual. I, I do have massive props for, for Henry Golding. And long may his reign as Snake Eyes lost. I hope this launches an entire slew of movies where he becomes the Hugh Jackman to the X-Men franchise. You know? Yeah, that will be very yeah. cool. And it's a stark contrast to Sienna Miller and um, the woman who played Scarlet, whose name I cannot remember right now. Because they Rachel... actually... No, what's her name? Yeah, it is Rachel Rachel something. McAdams? No, no, it's not, it's not Rachel, Rachel something. Rachel, Rachel something. no, no, whatever. Rachel anyway. Nichols. Rachel. Oh, Rachel. Yes, that sounds right to me. That. Yes. Yeah. Anyway, um, her and Sienna Miller apparently uh, had a whole tweet thing about laughing at their likenesses on the toys, and they actually kind of mocked it a little bit. Well, um, six-inch scale is the right scale, and 2021 is the right year to yeah. be in. In case encapsulated in plastic likeness, yeah. So, yeah, no, it was wonderful to see his reaction. And yes, that I think is the veneer that these action figures have over the classified or the standard mm-hmm. classified releases. They are pulling from a real, uh, you know, three D flesh and bone, uh, willed into reality subject matter. Yeah, <laughs> and that Baroness is amazing. <laughs> I yeah, am so yeah. glad to see that they took that liberty with Baroness's design with the hair. I'm pretty sure a lot of fans are very upset with that, and you know, to each his own because we all have different tastes. I, for one, am excited to see Baroness having short hair. I really, really am. Well, it gives like, her somewhere to go. I mean, yes. because she's got a pixie cut in this movie, it really just like de-ages Baroness. You know, it makes her a yeah. youth, which hopefully yeah. she is in this film. And she now has a somewhere to go, you know. She will become the, you know, straight-haired, raven-locked baroness in later years. But right now she's probably, you know, a student on the verge of being radicalized, gets swept up in these guys who ultimately unveil the fact that they are agents of Cobra Command. Like, this is this is an exciting time to see, to see a glimpse at, like, how G.I. Joe and Cobra began, like, I hope this movie doesn't screw it up. Dude, I just hope this is the Iron Man for Hasbro's universe. You know, for Hasbro's G.I. Joe universe. Like, I hope this is the thing that, like, elevates G.I. Joe um, 
And I yeah, think okay. because our expectations are set like below the basement at this point, <laughs> yeah. Um, because of our previous GI Joe film experiences, it's gonna be like when you watched Inception, Rob. It's going to be like when you watched First Class with me, Paul. It's going to be that experience. It's gonna be like expect this to be shit. I want it to be good. Here we go. And that's and that's also why I'm purposefully actually not following anything about this film, hmm. like. I'm avoiding your duties on GI Joburg. (laughs) No, no, I've got to do it for my own sanity. I, I like not, I like knowing a little bit about a film, you know, like just a little bit like Ghostbusters afterlife. I'm super amped about, I love the fact that Paul Rudd's in it. I love the little 40 second clip that they did and the little teaser trailer, but I kind of don't want to know more. I don't want to know anything else about the new Ghostbusters movie. I don't even want to look at the toys that are coming out for that movie. Mm -hmm. I don't want, I'm excited about that. That's how I feel about this. But I got to say, this reveal has definitely got me amped for the movie, big time. Are there any of the kiddie-fired figures that you'd be interested in picking up? Because I, I, I'm telling you now, guys, you're not going to get classified at retail in South Africa, but you're going to get a glut of the kiddie ones at Toys R Us. So what we what we are sort of getting here, what I've that I've noticed is we get Marvel Legends actually, right? Ah. Uh, yeah, we've got that wave that's got Falcon, uh, Falcon in it, and then the older Thor. Um, and then there's also Captain America that's in that wave. Anyway, it's to build, um, and I'm sorry with my comic knowledge here, but it's the Hulk in the suit when he wears like the hat. That That's the one the one boulder figure. And then the other boulder figure that, anyway, it doesn't matter. But we've got those. And I've seen Silver Sable and all that kind of stuff on the shelves. And then we also get the Kitty Fight stuff. So here's hoping. But to answer your question, I actually like, I like the Baroness, uh, Baroness from that line. I hmm. think she looks cool. I was uh, totally I'm, expecting you to say the Night Creeper. Yeah. That's coming. <laughs> uh, the Baroness, the Baroness, and the Night Creeper are, are winners for me, big time. I think that the Night Creeper is quite is uh, handled quite well. A uh, part of me is still hoping that so, by some reason that these might actually be four inch figures, um, because something about them screams to me that they might actually be. It's just because of. <laughs> um, I think we can definitively think... say they're six inch. There have been no four inch veal- reveals, as far as I can tell. Mm. But, but that's, they do look it. I, I see what you mean, Paul. But it's because they've been simplified. You know, the accessibility, yeah. the, the articulation isn't up to classified standard. But that's the price point for you, man. There's less tooling yeah, well, involved, nine... there's parts. But the articulation looks pretty good for a, for an LG bass figure, hey? Which is yeah. impressive, actually. So let's see. Let's see. Let's hold thumbs. Let's see what goes on. I just don't love Baroness's gun for that uh, cheap release. I mean, it's got like a panther head or a snake head or something at the end of it. That's super weird. <laughs> um, mm, kind of would be in line with the standard release classified stuff. You know, she's got like a... Her, her motorbike release had like a snake blaster that kind of wrapped around her arm. That looked cool, though. I thought that was... That was, I thought, I actually think that. <laughs> yeah, like, okay. Yeah, yeah. But this thing looks like a, like a, like what's it called? An RP90 or P90 or whatever that's been like cobbled together with like some kind of thing that's used in like hardcore porn at the end of it. I don't know. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. It's a kids friendly movie. <laughs> anyway, uh, I think that design of her looks cool. I mean, for, you know, and the Night Creeper looks cool. I, I especially mm. love that the Night Creeper can stash his swords on his on his crossbow. <laughs> <laughs> bizarre, so bizarre. I mean, that crossbow is over designed to begin with. Now right. it just looks like a Power Rangers weapon. It's like combine. <laughs> Do you remember where like 
with yeah, him yeah, throws and, her her bow, and then yeah and then zach throws his like axe it becomes a blaster and then the, the trini threw through her like sigh things and they attached the to the side <laughs> yeah <laughs> and how cool Brilliant. is it that how cool is it that that toy line actually let you do that when you collected all those figures? Not not the twelve inch uh, guys, the the small little sort of six inch with the heads that flip, the sort of transformation. Oh man! I was reminded of that when Chris McCloud received like a care package from Hasbro, and one of the sort of retro re-releases of those changey head Power Rangers uh, was included, and like he was very gracious when he received it, but we were all thinking it, but like. Yeah, we gave those toys a wide berth in the nineties because, except for even Paul. if you were the, you eh. bought him. Jeez, I bought him. I, the only one I did it. The sucker. only one I didn't have. No man, drank the Kool Aid. I like Super Sentai stuff, and I just didn't get Billy because I Bro, just thought but but come on, that swappy head changing feature, which makes the chest of those figures enormous. <laughs> no man, they look so. <laughs> Crap. They were exceptionally barrel chested. They they were as barrel chested uh, as as a famous cover picture by a <laughs> artist. Um, he did a he recently did a Snake Eyes comic series. Um, the Are we going to kill this like Rob one Marshall. shot? Kill this? Are we going to one shot kill this? Because <laughs> we we're running a little long in the tooth just on movie news, and I was thinking if we're going to talk dead game. We might want to devote a longer episode to that. Okay, let's save Dead Game. I, I have a bunch of stuff to say. I, th- I think this is our this is our Snake Eyes episode, our Snake Eyes movie episode. <laughs> no, okay, 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 okay. We we've teased it. We can't back down from the precipice now. Let's do it, boys. Let Snake Eyes episode. Begin. Let the Dead Game begin. Oh my goodness, <laughs> Rob, tear this one a new asshole. <sighs> Ah, uh, my goodness. Uh, so I've read the first four issues, which I believe are the ones that have come out so far. It doesn't feel like a, a, a G.I. Joe comic book. Um, I feel like you could swap these characters out for almost any other characters. Um, and there's like uh, new characters introduced. Specifically I think. Rob Liefeld characters. Yeah. Do, on, I mean, in, in issue four, there's suddenly some sort of weird meta um, s- sort of like dudes. It's really weird. Like suddenly, oh, GI Joe has like about. a metaphysical team. There's like oh, a dude yeah. named Atomic Man, and I think issue three uh, they introduce those, a character right? named Bullet Man. Yeah, Mike Bullet. Power. Look, those are the twelve-inch adventure yeah. team, and then afterwards, actually, actually yeah, I was gonna say, but they also because it's Ron Liefeld, the art is very all over the place. Um, issue <laughs> three. Um, Atomic Man has a metallic arm, right arm, and a, a glowing eye, kind of like Kane did in X-Force. And then issue four, he no longer has that right arm that's all metallic looking, but he still has his kind of like cable Kane eye going on. Um, yeah, yeah it, this doesn't feel like a G.I. Joe comic book to me. It feels like <laughs> any other franchise. And like, and his design for Thor, because there's Thor, the god of thunder, is in this. Not, I mean, not the Marvel version, but uh, Rob Liefeld's version. He kind of looks like a character out of Youngblood, or um, well, the, the character with the, the, the two stupid swords that um, were connected together. Shatterstar. Shatterstar. Yeah. It's just like, yeah. I don't know what the hell this comic book is. But I like all Shatterstar, not, though. It, anyway, it's cool, but it's... I don't know what this thing is. It's uh, 
it's an interesting story. I mean, I could almost believe it to be a cartoon episode because, you know, the cartoons always were able to go into uh, weird shit, metaphysical. I think there were ghosts. There was interdimensional stuff, but I don't believe this as a G.I. Joe comic book. Um, I mean, it's, it's, it's entertaining for the most part. The but... broad strokes of the plot is that there is a being called, I don't even remember his name, but he, he is crafted by the, the goddess of death to yes. slay people quicker than people can be born, <laughs> I think. And yes. Thor, so god be... of thunder, is sent to, to end him, to dispatch him, because oh, his name's Kiragon. Uh, yeah. Kiragun has not only waged war on the human race, but using his his the dead sword, something mm -hmm. like that. He the wants dead sword, yeah. the dead sword. Yeah, he wants to also slay the gods. So Thor steps in, tries to stop him. Um, flash forward to the present day, the new champion who Kiragun, the recently resurrected Kiragun, wants to to take out is Snake Eyes. Uh, Snake Eyes finds the dead sword. Uh, loses it to Kirigan, and now Snake Eyes goes off in search for a weapon um, of equal metal to, to take out this 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 dead sword. sword. Dead. So yeah. he finds he, he dives to the bottom of a, of a frozen lake and finds Mjolnir, Thor's hammer, mm -hmm. um, and he's off to try and and, and slay Kirigan. And yeah, there are there are various cameos from the adventure team who have this enormous chunk of expository dialogue saying, yeah, like during a firefight, yeah, we're the adventure team and we've been tasked with, with finding these, uh, these historical oddities and artifacts and, and, and stopping um, mystical, magical beings and, and things that want to destroy our reality. Like this is all happening in a gunfight. This guy just dumps exposition. <laughs> and that I think mm -hmm. is part of the problem for me when reading this. I'm like, because I'm not a comic book guy. I've stepped away from comic books in a while, for for a good chunk of time, unless they're GI Joe comic books, and it was like being caught in a time capsule because all of a sudden I'm like, this comic could exist alongside X Force of the mid '90s uh, mm -hmm. in style and in the fact that it is so overwritten. Oh man, so mm -hmm. overwritten. So and there's like a new character who trains Snake Eyes as well, Olympia, oh, who is the daughter of Kirigan. And they know each other. Um, it incorporates a lot of stuff, but I have some sympathy for the writer. His name is Chad Bowers. He's done a couple of interviews and guest spots on Talking Joe. And mm -hmm. I like him. I like his insights into G.I. Joe. But, and this is not my observation, but actually Chief from Talking Joe's observation. He says that Chad has had to adopt the 90s style of writing and overwriting a comic book with lots of blocks of expository information um, to match Rob Liefeld's very vague storytelling style. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's just drawing him. He's just doing his thing. He's drawing characters in situations, shooting weird guns and taking weird high kicks and strange <laughs> like martial arts moves with balled up fists. Like he's doing life out and no mm -hmm. one's going to stop him because he has his following and he's a, he's a very energetic and, and uh, popular figure, controversial figure, popular figure, whatever. He's got his markets. He's a big draw 
regardless. You know, he's part of that image, like breakaway rebel group, like the Wunderkinds. They, they're a thing, and yeah. so Chad Bowers has bowed to that and overwritten this story. So I'm like, wow, they still write comic books like this? This is old school, man. I'm reading a lot of stuff. And not much of it is important. Yeah. I mean, I mean, one thing you can say about Liefeld is he, he, he does draw every single panel and every single thing. There is no reference. There is no um, tracing over anything. He's literally drawing every single thing that you see in a frame. And I, I still appreciate that these days. So a lot of artists these days get big on tracing, um, on on kind of kind of like photorealistic stuff where obviously they didn't draw that. That's more the uh, the inker or the colorist or whoever kind of fixing stuff and making it look better um, and making it look more comic booky. Um, he literally draws everything. It doesn't matter what you see in here. He's literally drawn every single thing, and I still yeah. appreciate that at least. Um, his art is very unique. And the thing with Liefeld, it can go all over the place. There's some, there's such good stuff in some panels, but such bad stuff in other panels. Like proportions are off, or yeah, like n the moves are really weird. But, but yeah, it doesn't feel like a GI Joe comic book. Yeah, yes, four has absolutely nothing to do with Snake Eyes or GI Joe. None of this has anything to do with 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 GI Joe at all. Yeah, that's that's kind of a thing, and this is uh, also if like if, if if I can jump in um, on the positive on the positive side of things, right? Um, I think what's worth mentioning is that as far as Snake Eyes is handled, Liefeld has definitely gone out of his way to make sure he has drawn Snake Eyes to the best of his ability, and I say that because if you go through the comic book, you'll see that for for the most part, Snake Eyes' uh, proportions look great. His action shots look good. He he doesn't have that typical sort of hokey pokey, flopsy wopsiness that you know Liefeld sometimes has with uh, with you know depth and perspective and that kind of stuff. And uh, so it's cool to see that Snake Eyes himself, the key character in the book, is rendered well and is rendered quite solidly for the most part. Um, I've always had a soft spot for Liefeld's style of inking um, because he's. He's got a very cool, energetic style of inking, and I really like it. I really like the way that he handles cross-hatching and um, just has this line this line weight thing that he does that's really, really good. And it's, uh, it's, it's as sexy now as it was when I first saw it back in the day. I mean, uh, I've said this before on the show. There was, there was a time where I did enjoy a lot of Liefeld stuff, and I, could, and I purposely would look over the mistakes, almost use them as like, ways to teach myself to draw better when i looked at the way you draw the uh, guns and stuff in the hands of cable etc etc um but yeah and that said his layout his actual panel layouts are fantastic that's one thing like guys can knock life out all they want but his layout style is very good he's got very well compiled uh, composed um panels and uh the way that he just does action is very cool actually it, it he does it in a cool way like I don't think it's like fair to criticize him on that. He's got that great kinetic style that goes with his stuff. Unfortunately, Paul, it does... I'm not going to oppose you because I don't know enough, but yeah. I've heard from comic book fundies the exact opposite. That yeah, like, you have no idea where these characters are in space. 
that the combat has no logical flow. Uh, oh no, that it's disjointed. Yeah. It's difficult to follow. Like you know, all these terms have been thrown around. So clearly, the controversy surrounding Liefeld continues to follow. You see, I think that, that's the other thing, and I think it's worth mentioning here that uh, because I don't have like <clears throat> I don't harbor any serious dislike for Liefeld personally. Um, good. Uh, I, I'm, I don't Always have, a good like, place to start. I don't hate <laughs> this no, guy. No, no, I don't hate this guy, but I also don't love him. Liefeld's just Liefeld, and I've uh, like I've said before in a previous episode, he's a good character designer. He's designed some damn cool looking characters. Okay, and I get yeah. where you like, come from because we all yeah. grew up in the '90s, the three of us, and yeah. he was everywhere. He was ubiquitous, and like you know, if if you weren't going to be a fan of his books, then you're going to have a huge hole in your comic book lexicon. Uh, X Factor, X Force. Um, Rob and I were weaned on that stuff. We played with yeah. those action figures to death, literally. Exactly. We had stepped no, like, down G.I. Joe in favor of Rob Liefeld's cabal of characters. The, the way they were designed in his books were the way they were represented in plastic. And we loved that shit. And how, what, how, nice, was it, what, how nice was it to have like a cable action figure that was designed of uh, Rob Liefeld's art that actually held his gun properly, you know? Anyway. Um, <laughs> but like... But like that being said, I can understand. I, I I sometimes feel that like critics, and I know that we have also been guilty of this in the past as well, because you know we have a personal bias towards things sometimes. But I also feel like some comic critics are just like, oh, it's Liefeld, you know, prepare prepare yourself for the suckage and all this kind of stuff. I don't think that, uh, at least not in the first two books, I don't think it's it's fair to sort of criticize a lot of his layout style because I think he's done a fairly good job there actually. Um, I do agree with those critic, uh, critics later on in like issue three and four where stuff does get a little bit like haphazard, like it does get a bit like nuts. Um, there's also one scene in particular with like this big yellow guy that he fights and the way that that guy's introduced into the scene, I thought that was like really poorly done. Um, but then at the same time, you know, it's just, it's still, I mean, it still went forward and and now we're starting to get to the sort of dark side of this um, thing for me, where uh, a big issue I have, if you're going to introduce a character, like I, I, I'm I'm fully of the opinion that if you're going to bring a character in, the first time you see that character, make sure that character is drawn well. And then in the, subse in the subsequent sort of action panels, you can get away with a little bit of lack of detail, maybe a bit of a funny eye here and there, you know, because the chances are that the art director or your editor is not going to pick up on that. It's pretty high because the introduction is so strong that, that that's the version of the character you're seeing. And then you're sort of mentally placing that over, over the panels that come out after that. But Scarlet is so like like you see her head and you're like okay that's not bad and you see her shoulders and you see her gun what the actual fudge bucket okay yeah look gun? when 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 you have the hand wave of futuristic weapon that followed guys like cable around fine but yeah. when you're trying to i mean we all can see what he's going for it's an attempt at an m16 you know the signature top hand oh, is that what is... it is i thought it was a shotgun <laughs> <laughs> look maybe we're looking at different panels but i mean there's one sequence where she's got a machine gun and who boy i could draw a better m16 but that's that's exactly the thing and like we were uh steven and i were recently with uh on an episode with chief 
uh, where he's talking about some of the convention art that he's got. And there's one uh, panel there where the Baroness is holding a gun. And I just sort of made a remark on how she's holding that gun and how cool it is. And if you look at like every one of Liefeld's hands, the way he holds guns, the way, the way he draws his characters holding guns, they're all like clinching the poor gun to death. There's like, <laughs> there's no fluency. There's no life in those fingers. They're just like these hard, like they're all in the same line, all that kind of stuff. It's and that's because like, he adds the guns afterwards. No, of course. Yeah. It's of the last. He doesn't draw the gun in the hand. He draws the figure, and then he just adds the gun on top of the hand or the it's, sword. And the... <laughs> you can always see it. It doesn't look like they're actually holding them. Most yeah. of the, time. the plane no, of the gun does not line up with where the fist. You know, the the gun. <laughs> the gun is not doesn't share the same vanishing point. No. Mm. But these, like, that, that, these are like Netflix. These are small things. Um, those are small things. But the story but... itself does not feel like a gi joe story what do you Dude, I mean, no. the story I think, of course is the story a gi joe story no, i think that the comic book firstly just i think the fact that it's five issues so far is is impressive to say the least because that's the kind of comic book i would have expected to come with a gi joe two-pack comic two-pack you know like i feel like that story could have started and finished in one book to be very honest i don't think it's that engaging i don't yeah, think the character it's, is that it's engaging. not a concept that, that needs to be flat. over tons of issues for sure yeah, I think I think it's just flat. I don't care about any of that character that stuff. And like as you said, it's not a GI Joe book. Any one of those characters could be replaced by anybody else. It could be an Iron Fist book for all we care. In fact, it probably would be a better Iron Fist book than nah. it is. <laughs> Shang Chi. No. Yeah, for sure. Because I mean, there's yeah. mysticism built into those characters from the start. Exactly. I, I mean, there's a certain degree of mysticism to the of Chicago. Um, but not enough to make it believable that Thor is now talking to Snake Eyes and telling him, you are the one who will beat Kyrgyzstan. Take Snake my hammer and you will beat him. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't feel right. I think yeah. I will read this to the end, but I, it seems interesting. I think Liefeld's art is his art. You either hate his art or you love his art. Um, I, Yes, good layouts. I mean, he's going through this stuff really well overall. Um, but yeah, it's, it's not a GI Joe story. Also, um, also worth mentioning, and I don't know if you guys had the same problem as I have here, I had to force myself past the second issue here. Like, I got to the second issue and I saw what was going down and I was just like, I don't care. <laughs> it's like i'm sorry i just don't care and then the action force uh came in and i'm adventure all down team. with action oh sorry the adventure team sorry and i'm all down with like that's cool and stuff but geez like no <laughs> that no i just i was like no this is super lame also i've just recently read gi joe vs transformers 2 and uh that was done by devil's due back in the day and they also have joe colton in there like that's been captured again so i'm like it's like it's a, it's becoming a trope and i don't dig it and like it's just it irritates me it was hard let's to, move on let's yeah let's move on boys i've, I, I've been positive open. where i could be yeah let's tear open post box the pit uh rob you done clicking that mouse brother yes i'm finished <laughs> wonderful thank you we have a recording uh this time it's from law hey 
Just remember, if you want to include a recording and have it voiced on the show, you can send it in email form to a real South African hero at gmail.com. This one comes to us from, well, that's uh, our regular contributor, Mr. Troy Smith. I see he's in the chats, um, but he's managed to get law on record saying this. Hello, G.I. Joe Berg. It's me, Law. You know, G.I. Joe is the best of the best of the best. But every once in a while, even the best of the best of the best gets in a little bit of trouble. Which G.I. Joe do you think causes me the most headache? And you know what? Shipwreck is not an answer. He's already locked up right now. Ooh. Hey! Well, thank you very much, Law. I mean, it's seldom we get to really get to grips with the guy's function. I mean, he's military police, right? So he's going to be dealing with G.I. Joe's uh, when they get a little bit, little bit loose and <laughs> misbehave, uh, which I'm sure must happen. I mean, G.I. Joe is a very varied cast of different types of personalities, and I'm sure, yeah, look, I, I'm going to go with the low-hanging fruit of um, probably Leatherneck and Wetsuit. If their conflict ever escalated to actual fisticuffs, it'd be up to law to break them up and put them in a, a brig to cool off, I reckon. Oh, I reckon. But that's just the first, yeah, that's the knee jerk that I have to this, this topic. What about you guys? Rob? I reckon if the renegades had to be on base, they'd probably be a bit tough to handle, considering they're not... I mean, they're, they're honorary G.I. Joes, essentially, but they're not, like, military trained. Renegades. I mean, they're almost like the um, the dreadnoughts of the G.I. Joes. <laughs> so they're probably, they're probably going to be a, a tough crew to kind of, like, keep uh, in line while on base. And I think that's also why, in a, uh, to a large degree, they are a slaughter's problem. <laughs> yeah. And maybe barbecue, because he likes to throw parties. Actually, keep it down early in the morning. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. I you, that's actually a really good one, Rob. Barbecue, because yeah, man, he probably throws a lot of parties, and he probably gets a lot of guys into shit. Like, have you guys um, seen Stripes before? That uh, the Ivan Reitman film, or Ivan? I mean, not Ivan Reitman, Harold Ramis film. Mm, possibly. No. Whoops. I know oh, it's been before. I need to. It's a gap in my education. So great, and uh, I, and a, a friend of mine uh, in the military, not Bart, <laughs> um, he actually said if there's one thing that reminds him of the military the most, it's stripes, because <laughs> just because of how it is. But yeah, I can imagine barbecue kind of being a little bit like Bill Murray in that respect. Like, he, I think he does so some seeds of discontent every now. Well, and then. he might be a little bit on the board side. I mean, if his yeah. only function on the GI Joe team is as fire control. Um, you know, unless there's a fire burning something down, um, he's got a lot of time on his hands to throw parties. He's a fire stopper. Twisted fire I don't stopper. see him grabbing a <laughs> rifle and, you know, and becoming an infantryman. Like, his job is to be on constant standby and on alerts, like probably on the flag or a TTBP. Like, if a fire breaks out, he's your man. Mm. So he's always... Otherwise... He's always He's sneaking booze onto base and having crazy parties. <laughs> totally. Yeah, man, we're getting some love in the comments. Uh, Tunnel Rat is a suggestion from MCDJACDC. 
Um, yeah, I suppose. I mean, Tunnel Rat's been kind of drummed up to be a very much quirkier character than I think Larry Harmer originally penned him. And a lot of that's got to do with Sigma-6. And then I think Renegades as well. Yep, yep, yep. So there would probably yeah. be Airtight. Airtight is a practical joker as well. He'd probably be, was, be a really good choice too. That was actually that was who I was going to suggest. I was going to ah. say like Airtight. I think is also somebody who causes a lot of trouble. Like I think he's the kind of guy that like he also kind of gets a bit bored on base, and because he's already already listed as a practical joker, I think sometimes these jokes do go far and maybe go too far to the point of like threatening base security kind of thing and or actually just to the point of like annoying people to the point where like hawk is like uh hello law yeah it's right uh-huh yeah just make something up thank you (laughs) you know kind of like spinning out of this topic i'm all of a sudden wondering like because you know you expect most of the joes to be a type personalities up at dawn for pt but because it's such a varied roster, surely a few of them are a little bit more close to human being uh, and have vices. Like of the Joes, who's likeliest to be, uh, you know, able to take his drink? I mean, you know, like who likes a bit of grog and sometimes gets a bit carried away? I mean, once again, the easy target is shipwreck. But beyond that, like who do you think are his drinking buddies? I think Bazooka, totally. Yeah. Like- yeah, yeah, I think exactly. yeah, he's he's probably a big beer drinker. I can yeah. imagine he's you know got a, a cask. I'm sure um, he's got that exact same helmet, but the beer version. <laughs> 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 With the cans on either side, yeah. wearing his football jersey. Yeah. Nice. Maybe yeah, rock and roll as well. Oh dude. Like yeah, dude. Totally. Surfing I think dude. rock and roll. I think rock and roll and stalker go and smoke a bit of guai every now and then actually <laughs> ah, i wanted to stop short of actually talking about the green stuff but yeah i suppose likely um i imagine like chuckles because he's so far past you know like in deep cover he's had to do a lot of questionable things and i think maybe to kind of unwind and 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 get his his demons off his shoulders. He probably likes a bit of hard tack from now on. Then. Mm. Footloose, Troy's uh, top side. Yeah, Footloose is also a good suggestion. I think Gung Ho oh. from Andrew. Dude, okay. don't you think like don't you anyone think Chuckles... in the navy? <laughs> <laughs> don't you guys think like Chuckles would be in a situation where he might actually speak to Law and be like, "Do you actually have any open cells?" And I, like this might sound crazy, but maybe because Chuckles is so used to being in situations where he's not sleeping in a comfortable bed or he oh. is like in a prison oh, somewhere that like yeah, like maybe he feels comfortable in a cell. <laughs> so. Oh, he's that messed oh, up. Oh man. We, we we yeah, we're playing we're drumming Chuckles up to be anything but uh, a, a, a happy soul. Um it's quite possible. Yeah, yeah. He's got some I mean, some, some issues to work through, some PTSD, definitely. He's seen some stuff. <laughs> And I also think somebody who can get quite unruly is actually Scarlet. No. Really? No. Yeah, because you see, Scarlet is very like top of her class, you know. So she's very I'm sure Scarlet can be very outspoken in a lot of ways on on protocol, 
and and things like that. I'm, I'm sure because remember I she like breaks that. Yeah, <laughs> dude, she gets loose, man. She gets yeah. messy drunk. Yeah, but, but not, not even kind of flies no. in the face of her extreme like focus. Like she, as a female, as the first female of the GI Joe team, she had to be like better than the best of the best. Yeah. So, so like maybe she gives herself a congratulatory drink every now and then and <laughs> everyone else on the team kind of like they have like a, a knowing glance at one another like oh here we go here goes scarlet you know but like, it's five drinks scarlet it's six drinks scarlet it's seven drinks scarlet it's to kill a scarlet bird you know no um, like but like the thing with scarlet is that you know like you said she's the, one of the first women in the team um i didn't say one and, of the first well, you know, but she, well, well, technically Shooter is the other one, but we won't go there. It's <laughs> some um, revisionist crap, Paul. Come on. <laughs> no, but like they did actually do their research to make sure Shooter fit there. But anyway, it doesn't matter. As a, as a woman the in the military. Like a Caucasian male, not a Latinx female. Well, le- anyway, let's, let's not even go there. Main thing is like. She is if I'm remembering correctly. Maybe it's just got General Flag's hand or something, or General Austin's hand, or the operator's hand covering it up and just says shooter. Yeah, I think that's probably what it was. Anyway, well the continue. thing is she's a she's a woman in a specialized military team, and this is in the eighties and things like that. She is also trying to be seen as a soldier, not just being seen as a woman. And so she's going to do things like you know, like having drinking competitions with the other Joes and things like that. She's going to do that kind of stuff. And the the reference that I have with this is, uh, if you look at in Indiana Jones, if you look at um, Ravenwood, uh, what's her name? I can never remember. I think it's Marion. Raven, yeah. Ravenwood. Marion. When when we meet her again, she's like, also, she's kicking back drinks because that's her like being like tough. Like she's badass. She can drink like all these big like dudes uh, uh, under the table kind of thing. And I imagine Scarlet has that sort of thing to her. Definitely. And also like, <laughs> I also think Law sometimes- No, no has- I think it's the other way around. I think Scarlet becomes a Georgia peach when she's, um, you know, she becomes really coquettish and, and a different person when she's under the influence. I think maybe Lady J is the kind of chick who, who can really knock him back or a tanker like Covergirl. Come on. But also remember- Scarlet- contradiction in terms. But Scarlett also has brothers as well. So that that's a thing here. Like I know a lot of, from in my personal experience, a lot of girls that I know who have older brothers, when they go out, like she can get properly wasted and they like, they've got her back. They'll protect her like no problem. So she's, so she's got that drinking experience. Like you get what I'm saying? Like she's got that. Uh, Gaz in in the comments has a great one. And I think, I think we can all agree that just based on the look alone, Tollbooth looks like a guy who, yeah, <laughs> when it when it when it's, it's after hours, he clocks off. Bam, he's a union man. He's in the pub. Bam. <laughs> yeah, it's probably called Yo Joe's or something, or you know Joe's Yo's or something. I don't know, whatever. But yeah, a little cool. bit of business. I'd like to uh, just quickly sandwich in before we head out, boys. On our episode one ninety one, I wanted to know why there was no quest for revenge um, in in the death of the Softmaster. Why didn't Storm Shadow take that up as a as a as a as a must to, to track down the killer? Magnus Lauglow gave me a great response and one that I think I'm gonna corner word burglar 
who gave me the idea in the first place of like hunting down the the soft master's killer um and, and i'm gonna tell him that the soft master's death happened in combat it wasn't ah. an assassination so you know it would be as arbitrary as like trying to hunt down the person who killed your war buddy in norm it's like it's irrelevant it's just someone who was on the opposite side who let fly a rocket and killed your uncle so fi finding tracking down the exact killer becomes you know it's it's why it's it's just a casualty of war kind of situation anyways that's yeah. what i got from magnus's comments and i, I thank you that's actually bang on and 1000 gi joe points to photo viper well done bro he guessed it it was indeed scrap iron who uh blew the soft master to smithereens yeah. and billy and candy and <laughs> yeah well Damn. It's almost as explosive as a drinking contest between Lady J and Covergirl. <laughs> Boys, I'm done. I'm spent. I am snake eyes out. We managed to get through Liefeld as well. I'm impressed. Good. And episode. then just, I'd say, and then I just wanted to just quickly, because I think it's worth mentioning, like I warned us in the beginning of the episode, uh -oh. there's awesome, awesome uh, G.I. Joe toys and everything abound, and it's really, really great. But I gotta say that the Transformers announcements were pretty amazing too. It's so cool to finally have an arc. Um, yeah, it's awesome that they're doing an arc, and I can't believe how well they've done tracks. Uh, that was a surprise. I didn't see that toy coming at all, and he's so great. He's almost almost as good as the masterpiece tracks. And Scorponok, finally. A cool look looking Scorpionock. I just wanted to put that out there. Those are just some of the Transformers announcements. If you guys are also Transformers fans, I'm sure you've seen them already. Um, just know that I'm just as excited about it as you guys are. And then also just a small reminder, we have this little thing called merchandise that we do. It's on our Teespring. You can get some really, really cool G.I. Joe Berg, the merchandise t-shirts. Um, and sadly, our uh, Renegades t-shirt is now sold out. But that, that that's not a bad thing. Because if you manage to get it in time, then you've got a really cool limited edition T-shirt. And it means that something else is around the corner. Dun, dun, dun. Um, and if you dig our merch, but you really dig our show and want to support us, go and check out our Patreon and you can join the Berg Force for as little as $3. Magic. And then you too can be part of this live audience that we have here. But uh, you actually just <laughs> Thanks for joining us, videos. guys. But yeah, thank you so much. And uh, thank you to all of our live audience members. You guys rock. Love you guys. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Keeping it lively. Keeping us on our toes. Much appreciated, gentlemen, for joining us once again on this very festive episode 193. A whole lot of snake eyes. I said it before at the top of the episode. I'll say it again. Contrary to what naysayers might have to say about the movie, the casting, the toys, whatever. It's a good time to be a G.I. Joe fan again. And I'm... Thrilled, 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 thrilled. So, yo, Joburg, everybody. Thanks for joining us. Yo, and, Joburg, uh, yeah. Catch you next week. Heck yeah. Heck Anything yeah. can happen. We Bro. actually managed to get through an episode without mentioning He Man. Hell yeah. Hey. <laughs> yes, guys. <laughs> Litters. Litters.